Film Pigs. Welcome to this very special Film Pigs podcast. So special. It is special. It's like that show Blossom. They would have very special episodes where Blossom. Like Blossom get raped, right? Yeah, she got raped. Or did Six get raped? I can't remember. Uh, in any event, uh, in this uh, special Pigs podcast, we're going to rape Steve Falk. Wait, uh, what? Uh, <laughs> Um, basically, you know, the film pigs are, you know, we're just a bunch of guys and we have our opinions about movies and, and you know us, if you listen regularly, you kind of know our personality to some degree, but we thought maybe you'd like to know us in, in a more in-depth way. So, but if not, you should probably turn this off. <laughs> yeah. Just shut Why? it down. What is this about? Well, Steve Falk, uh, we're going to interview, we're going to do a series uh-huh. of interviews okay. with each film pig, and, and, and each pig, and uh, and this time it's the pig is you. Oh. The, you're you, in the, you're you in the hot the seat. I'm, you're oh, in the hot seat. Oh, my God. So I've prepared um, six questions. I'm calling them the pig six, and uh, and we Skelton and I may chime in with additional questions uh, uh, in addition to these main questions. Maybe we should call this segment the bacon. The bacon, I like it. You're I getting like to know, it. you know, you're, yeah. yeah, you're getting into the the bacon, the the delicious fry part. That I you love making anything. I love bacon. the hipsters love. Yeah, I love I'm, bacon. I'm hungry now. Yeah, <laughs> you sure? After that miserable sandwich you had today, you you. Oh, I think I'm. I, my tummy feels better now. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm just tired. Well, let's make some bacon. It's going at a bad sandwich at a place uh, that's, that rhymes with biznos. <laughs> I was fed poison. Meat, <laughs> but it, meat. toasted, at least. Yeah, yeah no, it's still better. I mean, still better than Subway. Yes, indeed. Uh, so Not better than non-poison Subway, right? Yes. Uh, Steve, so Steve Falk, uh, yes. this is the first first question I'm going to ask you. Okay, um, what was the first movie you ever saw in the theater? And then once you explain that experience to us, sort of take us through your your youth. Your childhood into young adulthood, uh, according to your movie experience. It's a softball. It's a softball. It's softball. <laughs> it's a little Pierce Morgan. You I, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get more <laughs> Mark Maroney later. I thought we were going about my arrest and my prison <laughs> stint. Uh, I'm really glad. My my parents used to take me to the drive-in, and we used to see. I, I remember seeing Sleeping Beauty. I think or Bambi. Like we'd see the Disney movies at the yeah. drive-in. We'd bring our own popcorn. We didn't have a lot of money. We'd cram into this shitty little Toyota. Nice. And, uh, and then we'd see movies that were wildly inappropriate um, for little kids who were terrified. Because <laughs> they'd show like Sleeping Beauty and then The Beast Within right afterwards? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, no, I mean, I just, you know, the, 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 the fire and Bambi's mom and all, and the, the scary witch in Sleeping Beauty. I, I remember yeah, pretty damn scary. Yeah, being pretty scary terrified. But, um, but then yeah, I, I basically spent a lot of time at the movies. I don't even know how I got money for them. You know, movies were like two bucks or three bucks at the time. And mm-hmm. But I uh, I would go to the movies all the time and I would see things. I, I think I saw um, Time Bandits like seven times. I think I saw Popeye mm-hmm. like eight times. Popeye? Wow. Popeye I would see movies over and I was obsessive. Um, we didn't have a VCR for a while, so I would see movies constantly. I would drag my friends, and my friend, when my my friend Ben recently reminded when he was like, when I started writing for movies and TV, he was like, I knew you were going to do this because you'd always be like, after the movie, just sitting there analyzing it and shots and and shit like that, and and I would just be going, I don't know, I liked it, but <laughs> I, I guess I I always had an affinity for him. Um, uh, were your parents sort of were they? Uh, 
supportive of that or were they they were not they were not part of it they were not i would go see the movies alone and but then when we got a vcr we just rent constantly and there's Mm -hmm. a little video store that um had gave um a little box of uh, movie popcorn they had like a movie popcorn maker there in the in the oh like oh like the little the little so they give you your vcr thing uh your tape and then a box of like movie fresh popcorn nice you go home and watch zapped you know i just watch a lot of tip movies and stuff well yeah but then i had a i had a friend Named Tom Shimura, who's now is a, a really kind of well-known rapper, um, lyrics born, and his mom um, would take us to art house movies. So that's where I first saw like Seven Samurai and like oh, really? really good yeah. movies. Yeah. Um, so I was seeing low art on my own and high art with her. What, so what? Uh, uh, either first VCR was that a top loader or a front loader? Uh, mm-hmm. I believe it was a front loader, and it had a remote control on a cord. Cord, nice. Yeah. Do, what was the there, first? Are, some uh, of our younger listeners will have no idea. Yeah, what no we're idea. talking about. What was the first uh, VHS movie you bought to uh, watch over and over? I didn't have the money to watch them. You, I mean to buy them. To buy them, yeah. the movies were like eighty bucks back then. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, some when, of them in the early days. Some yeah. of the bigger titles they released, like I remember, Raiders was I think thirty bucks when it. Yeah, yeah. Still, like some of them. I, I spent my money. But that's on, like, but that's like early eighties dollars. So that's mm-hmm. yeah. I spent my money on, on uh, Atari cartridges, if I ever had any. Oh, okay, yeah, nice. yeah. okay, but not movies. And was there were, were there? I Combat. mean, you talk about yeah. when you were a teenager. Obviously, you or maybe a little bit before. I don't know uh, the titty movies. Were was there? You know, any movie uh, or what were the movies? You know, when you were a teenager, that really kind of. Um, well, I think that the John Hughes movies were a big touchstone for me. Mm-hmm. I. Um, because I, I'm, I'm a little more listeners, uh, regular listeners of the pigs will know. I'm, I'm a little less of the action sci-fi horror that you guys are. Mm. Less of the fan, not that you guys are fanboys, but th- those type of movies. Right. And I'm a little more um, the straight comedies and um, and romantic comedies. Like I always like those. I like the um, Sixteen Candles. Because I was a very mm. lovelorn um, teenager. I was always pining after some chick in these movies would make me feel good about that. I right. sort of relate to them. So right. the say anythings and the... And was there... It, but Breakfast Club was like, that was my first instance of like, holy shit, this writing is so fucking tight and good and connects to me. It was like the perfect storm for me. And I would just analyze that script and, and trade jokes with friends. And So you were writing... You were writing scripts then no 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 i was just, analyzing, just analyzing. I, yeah i was i was doing the work that i didn't know i to to be a writer back then i see yeah. i see oh, that's cool was there anything um as far as sort of that that period when you're in your late teens going into early 20s sort of you know high school college transition was there any a movie that sort of defined that time for you? Um, kind of blew your that, mind? Uh, there were a few that I went and saw over and over in the movie theater. Um, the Big Picture was one because it was about the business. Oh, the mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon movie. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good movie. The Christopher Guest movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I, I just thought that was really funny and sort of innovative. Um, I was a giant fan of Joe vs. the Volcano. Uh-huh. John Patrick Shanley yeah. wrote it. I just watched that. Again, for the I think the first time the, since it was in theaters. Oh, really? I oh, really? I don't remember liking it in theaters, but I, I loved it. It's it, great. It's great. It's really great. Um, I was a, a movie made a, meant a lot to me. Two were L.A. Story and Roxanne. I thought they were oh, both. Yeah. 
I was a big Steve Martin fan, and that was sort of for me him at the top of his second tier game, like his second period of movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, of course, I loved All of Me and 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 uh, Man with the, the Jerk, Man with Jerk, Lonely, Lonely Guy, Lonely Guy, Plaid, and. Yeah. And pennies from heaven and all, all those, but but those two are the, like the most that blew me away. Most, uh, yeah, yeah. I love Fabulous Baker Boys, and then the, then when the Coen Brothers, you know, when they started with uh, Miller's Crossing and stuff, and mm-hmm. Blood Simple was before that. But then I, I started getting really into them, and um, but you know, uh, yeah, those were sort of the movies for the, that period. And Robo, I mean, RoboCop was a big movie for RoboCop. me. I watched that yeah. over RoboCop. That's, and my friend had a laser a fi- disc player. That's a f- oh, RoboCop on laser, a laser disc. disc. RoboCop oh. is a film pig's touchstone. Yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> it is. Okay, here's a, here's a question for you. Uh, if you could only watch one movie, RoboCop, for the rest of your life, rest of your life, just one movie, and it's the only thing you can watch. You can't watch TV or anything. It's just one movie. What? Which one would it be? Um, it may be Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It has touching moments. There's a hot chick. Um, In her underwear. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, it's very lively and sort of affirming and, um, and has a lot of fun layers, a lot of little, little touches, you mm-hmm. know, that you can know, like the, the license plates. Yeah. yeah. John Hughes was big into license plates. The music. The sound effects are always there's a lot of uh, fun stuff. I think that's a really fun movie. Mm. Which uh, character did you relate to most in um, Ferris Bueller? I I fancied myself um, Matthew Broderick, but I think probably Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's the most common answer to that question too, because yeah. y- you want to be Ferris Bueller. You want to be you Ferris, but you, yeah. you, but 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 you ascribe to his confidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, because you know yeah. that that was such a fantastical character. Yeah. No one has that kind of confidence. No one can charm yeah. parents and teachers except for Rooney and girls and get their guy friend to do anything they want and And be universally loved while doing it. Universally yeah. loved yeah. and you know, get get fucking snobby maitre d's yeah. to give them a table. <laughs> you know, that so that was but yeah, really we're all more like Cameron who's who's so his his sort of deep ennui and his sort of malaise is very, very Touching and I think very understandable for teenagers. Mm-hmm. It's that that sort of nameless fear that, in, directly in that movie, it comes from his parents, you know. And and I, I thought that was sort of wise um, for John Hughes to do that to direct not just I'm a kid and I can't get the girl. That's not yeah. Cameron's problem. Yeah. Cameron's problem is he is uh he's been made afraid of everything by living in this judgmental household yeah. where he couldn't touch anything yeah he's mm-hmm. his, yeah his, his dysfunctional family has yeah. harmed him and he's trying to figure out a way out of it which is what's great about that movie is that it is there secretly to let real kids identify with the movie while still well and that's fun and that's the, the goal that the the genius thing about that aspect of it is that Ferris Bueller wasn't just having a day where he wanted to fuck around he was that he was doing it to help his friend. Yeah, that's the goal of that movie, right? Yeah, and I, I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. It's a yeah. very great movie. I, I, I love that picture. Um, so you you grew up in the Bay Area. Yeah, that's where you were born in Berkeley. Berkeley. 
Mm-hmm. And then, and you went to high school there. You were there the whole your whole childhood. Yes. And then my mom still lives in the house I grew up. Still has the same phone. Still number. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then you went to NYU. Yep. Um, you uh, majored in acting. Yep. And then you took a year off. Yeah, I took a weird year off in the middle of NYU. To make a very long story short. Um, the, the acting program is three years, but they they make you take uh, subpar academics for four. And it was like, you know, really expensive and we couldn't afford it. So I found a way to scam to take my junior year off. Half of the semester, I tried to keep a failing relationship going. The other half, I went back to the Bay Area and crammed that year, that extra year's worth of academics that was $20,000 into $200 at SF State. Ah, and got them and to transfer the nice. credit by lying to NYU and saying that like I had a sick relative and I had to. Uh oh. Uh oh. Now they're now now you're going to get a phone call. Yeah, they're going to ask for your diploma back. L- luckily, I'm not in a job that anyone checks my diploma. <laughs> so and then, of course, aware you've had any education. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so then uh, you graduated uh, yes. with a bachelor of fine arts in in, in acting. Yep. Um, with honors, right? Yeah, you had the gold. You had the gold tassel. I did, yeah. Um, And you got to hear uh, uh, Darth Vader speak at your graduation. Oh yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Um, And then you moved right to Los Angeles. Yeah, I spent like four, five, six extra months in New York after I graduated. Then I moved out here. Yeah, you worked at the Learning Annex for a time. I did, yeah, in New York. Uh, and then you moved out here, and uh, as I learned in, well, I kind of already knew this, but you told a story at public school, uh, the the live uh, storytelling night at the M Bar the other night, and you were talking about you were a PA for Louis the uh, Louis Anderson, Louis Anderson, not the good Louis, not the good Louis, <laughs> the other Louis. Oh. So you were you were a PA for that. You were attempt str- a lot, struggling. You were doing plays. You were in a yes. theater company, mm-hmm. uh, cop. cop review and then you joined a um sort of late night comedy troupe through cop review called Uh, what were they called film pigs film pigs and they did a live action parodies of films on stage we did stage shows it was was immediately Um, successful and, and we we've ne- we haven't looked back. And your fir- your we first, actually were very successful. Yeah, we, we were. People don't know, but we did a lot of uh, we did we we'd sell out um, our theater every weekend. Mm-hmm. We'd do midnight shows. We'd sell beer for two bucks, and we'd do these big raucous fun stage parodies. But then I think we all got too busy, and we uh, got too big for our britches, and we started. Um, putting massive amounts of rehearsals into these shows that we would then do like twice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of work for a little yeah. payoff. Yeah, well, that's yeah. true. We got close. I mean, we got close to doing Aspen. We got close to doing HBO. We did the HBO workspace. We just- mm-hmm. Yeah. And your first uh, role as a film pig was uh, Mike Myers in Halloween. Yeah. Uh, where you said nothing. He played the, you right. played the shape. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a mask. Yeah, a mask. It's uh, very funny. Especially, I remember your physicality. <laughs> I vividly remember your physicality of getting shot eight times at the end <laughs> of the movie. It was very funny. Um, so, and now you 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 sort of were frustrated as an actor. Yep. And you decided to switch gears and start writing. Yeah. You wrote a, a, a screenplay called Paying Your Dues. Yeah, that was my first screenplay ever. Um, and that got an award? Uh, no, a- no, that actually got um, uh, 
I was temping. I started writing screen. I was writing plays for our theater company before that. And that's when I got the writing bug, got it really late than most people. And then I wrote a screenplay and I, I sent it out to like every agent. I was one of those, like I was very uh, good self promoter, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and I got close on the nickel fellowship, the sort of big prestigious um, award that is still going on. But that I, I got that screenplay to um, a, a baby agent at Gersh, who got it to one of their clients, Penelope Spheris, who's um, the director of Wayne's she World. She directed yeah. Wayne's World, and was it an the, actual baby? <laughs> it's a baby. baby. It was a baby. They have uh, their new clients employees. are they get the baby? Yeah, and uh, and Penelope and I then developed that for a while, but it didn't end up going anywhere. But from that, I then won another award for my second screenplay called. Um, you down with OCD about an obsessive compulsive uh, gangster rapper. Uh, and with that, I won the Austin Film Festival screenwriting competition that year. And that got you uh, a more formidable sort yeah, of agent? Yeah, well, well and, and that, um, that, and then I went to a NYU event at the DGA, a sort of networking event that they held out here for for former NYU students to get them really to get their information to get them on the alumni. Mm-hmm. But I dodged. I just went to like hook up with ex girlfriends from NYU <laughs> and get free booze. And different agencies had tables there, mm-hmm. and I just walked up to this one um, Broder Web something whatever they were called back then and said, "Hey, I won this award and I've written some screenplays. Would you like to read them?" And they did, and then they signed me and. Um, and then I transitioned into TV pr- at the same time. So I was doing film. So, and you you sold a couple scr- yeah, feature yeah, screenplays. Right after they then... signed me, I wrote a new play in ten, a new screenplay in ten days called The Prom, and that sold to um, I can't remember what the company was called now, but it's Lionsgate now. Okay. Something else. And then you were pitching pilots, and you, did you sell a couple of those? Yeah, and I sold a pretty soon after that. Then I got like I wrote a football movie for Universal, and then I was hired to adapt a children's book, and then I sold a time travel comedy to Fox, and I was just doing a lot of movies that never got made. And at the same, like two years after I started writing movies, um, uh, president of Imagine Television read one of them and was like, hey, do you want to do TV? And I was like, yeah, I have this idea. And we went and sold that to Fox um, Network. And that was my first um, first pilot. And then I wrote like, then every year I'd sell like two or three pilots that would never get made. And then you, and you were getting sort of fidgety and fussy working at home by yourself all the time. And yeah, and my movies were never to... getting made. And um, I'd get I'd get like rewritten by Nora Ephron. Um or Brian Posehn on one, and then and none of my none of my pilots would go. But you can make a good living doing that. And eventually, I was like, I need to actually work on a show. Have something made. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so then then I found Weeds had an opening, and I gunned hard for it, and ended up getting. It. And you, had, but you before Weeds, you had interviewed on a couple of staff writing yeah, gigs, like, and and I remember you were saying the problem you had is because you were older than a lot of people yeah. who was, would start out knew that they were they would, wouldn't hire you because they couldn't basically haze you yeah i was in a weird place i was like 32 um 33 34 something like that and yeah and i like I, I met with bill lawrence who's an awesome dude who runs scrubs now he runs cougar town but he um 
he was like, look, we want to hire you, but your level would, we, we give that to 24 year olds who we pay nothing. And we just, we're so bored and grumpy that we just like to haze them and we can't do that to you. <laughs> so he couldn't hire me. And like, my name is Earl. Uh, I went out for in Californication, just a few, but nothing ever happened. And then we just did. But now, and you've been on weeds for how many seasons? Uh, three so far. Three seasons. Yeah. Nice. So now that we know, you know, you're sort of, uh, creative history. You're a, a person who creates. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you do film pigs, you know, and you're very opinionated and critical. Where where do those two get in the way of each other inside your head? Uh, inside my head, I, I only fear that, like, I want, like, today, there's a network that is considering a thing I pitched to them yesterday. I wanted to criticize one of their new shows <laughs> on Twitter today. I couldn't uh-huh. because I was afraid. So that I, they I might read it. I do have to censor myself. I should probably do a better job at doing so. <laughs> I don't. Um, I, I don't censor myself enough. Um, so it's all. It's it's a balance. I'm probably pretty stupid about it, but um, mm-hmm. I think I'd need to be a little more politic. But then I see like Damon Lindelof will go and talk shit about something. And then, uh, or Bill Lawrence, and then I'll go like, ah, I can, I can do it. I'm no one. <laughs> but, but there was, there was a, there was actually a thing that happened uh, a little while ago, I think um, last year, where I was reading uh, the Modern Family pilot that I'd been sent like mm-hmm. three years ago. Mm-hmm. I read, the, I had the script on my computer on PDF, and the, and after the title page, the second page was a cast list, a imagined cast list that. Steve Levitan and um, I can't remember the other writer wrote. So it was in the script that that right. that they would they sent out. I think they sent out. Was that like just these are the actors we were thinking yes. about as the type for? And I was like, oh, this is really interesting because yeah. it had different actors. Yeah. It wasn't you know it, Ty Burrell I think was on there, but then it wasn't Julie Bowen. It was someone else, or you know the gay guys were I don't know French Stewart or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. And I published that on my blog. It immediately got picked up and then spread worldwide. And um, and uh, with you know me listed, writer Stephen <laughs> Falk dug out the original cast list. And, oh my God, it was going to be because Modern Family is a big show, and I actually uh, had to write a um, email to Steve Levitan apologizing, <laughs> and he was amazingly cool about it. Oh okay, yeah. what, did he, got, what did he say exactly? Uh, he was like, "Oh fuck you, I'm going to kill you." He's like, "No, nah, I don't. It's totally fine. I don't care." <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's yeah. cool. Well, it's good to know that there's people who have a, a sense, sense of humor, humor yeah. and understand what I mean. When you do, when you do, you know, your prep when you're hosting the podcast, or you know, when your commentaries are less prepared, it's sort of you're just sitting there watching the movie, making fun of it, and then the when we get in the car after a movie, it's not. It's a visceral reaction to right. something. Do you Usually ever? The of the car. Yeah. Do you ever find? Do you ever? Is there anything that you kind of want to go back and erase, or are you just gonna stand by those opinions, or have they changed? You know, um, were you too hard? Did you feel like you were too harsh on the Reno nine one one movie or something? Or no, I mean, <laughs> no. It, 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 one day, I, it, it will bite me in the ass. I, I guarantee. Like the other night. Um, I told a story about um, meeting Dave Foley at, at a, um, a storytelling show I do at M-Bar here in Hollywood. And Paul F. Tompkins was there. 
And I know Paul Tompkins and Dave Foley know each other. They're mm. both, you know, sort of big wigs in the comedy world. And and he'll probably tell them the story and, and it'll come back to me, haunt me in mm. some way. But I don't think that story, I would imagine Dave Foley would kind of think that's funny. Well, it's yeah, a funny he probably story. won't remember it because he was drunk on the right. ass. But, um, I mean, it makes it, I mean, the story, I guess, kind of paints him as like, kind of being a jerk but it's kind of a funny jerk you know i i but i there's something to i i think i keep doing i i I keep not censoring myself in a way that i observe other industry professionals doing so it's slightly naive thinking that i don't have any anything to say like no one would give a shit unlike but it was proven wrong with this modern family thing but um, but I, I do it on purpose because I o- almost want to set up an expectation from the beginning that I will speak my mind. Right. You know, and like I, I watch uh, Kurt Sutter, who runs um, Sons of Anarchy, and he's very yeah, opinionated yeah. online. And he to the point where he I'm sure FX was like, you have to shut the fuck up. And so he pulled his Twitter account. He eventually went back, yeah. of course. But I. But 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 you know anyone who hires him knows what you're getting, and I think I want to set that expectation in some small way. That look, if you hire me, you know what you know what Stephen Falk is. You right, know what right, you're gonna get. right. Yeah, and I I mean I don't think it. There's um, it, it's sort of interesting to think about, and I you know, was very curious about where how you felt about those things because. To me, in general, everyone is too nice, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it, it, to me, criticisms are way more interesting coming from somebody who creates and works on things than a paid critic, a right. journalist, uh, who's outside of it and is just observing. It's more interesting to hear opinions, no matter how harsh, when they're coming from people who have a deeper, uh, more intimate understanding of, you know, the creative process yeah, I think, and you know, movies. And it, it's, it's hard though, because I do read criticisms of weeds and there's a lot out there, particularly our later seasons. And, um, and it, it does affect you and you do go, uh, you know, I get very sort of personally outraged and I go, look, you're not paying attention to the bigger, or would you really want us to still be, if we were still in the Grestic seven years later, you guys would be so bored and you'd be complaining the opposite. And I have to restrain myself. And I think I get a um, perspective sort of being an outspoken critic of things. Mm -hmm. I think it, it settles me down and goes, no, their opinion is right. You know, they or at least for them. And I, I, they shouldn't be muzzled. Right. They should talk, and there's some validity to it. There's some that's not, um, but there is. I mean, I used to recap television shows with television without pity, and all the shows read those recaps, and it, and it, and I, I'm sure I hurt people, and I feel bad, but that's why I only did reality for a while. I don't care. Right. <laughs> Who cares? Fuck, yeah. fuck reality. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear that. That's that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, here's another sort of hypothetical question for you. Um, if there was one thing, if you had the power, you know, magical power, um, a genie wish, to change one thing about cinema, big or small, permanent change to cinema, uh, what 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 would that be? That um, everything had to be an original story. Nothing could be based on anything anymore. I see. So no, no books. I don't even care. I'll fucking ban everything. 
Okay. So everything's got it. No sequels? Nope. No sequels. Nope. No remakes. Nope. No reimaginings. Nope. No uh, adaptations. I'm going big on this one. You're going huge. <laughs> so everything's got to be original. Yeah. I, I don't want to start picking and choosing. I mean, I, I, okay, maybe books, but no sequels. No, no original shit. Okay. Original stories. Because without sequels, there'd be no Final Destination Five. I know. That's a, it's you know that's a sacrifice. Sacrifices <laughs> must be made. <laughs> um. So, uh, as far as your creative career, um, what um has been? What would you pick as your a favorite moment? A most something you're most sort of proud of, or that was most thrilling. Uh, favorite moment in my creative career. I mean, honestly, I think getting hired on Weeds was was the best. And and you know, certainly every time you sell something, it's a big fucking deal. And certainly that first one was an absolute life changer and game changer. Even though I didn't make a lot of money off it, it allowed me to quit my job and gave me you know gave my new agents confidence in me. Um, getting hired in Weeds, I actually got to make something for the first time since I was in theater. Because before that, for the last seven years, it was just writing things. I do. I, I did write a spec that never sold, but my manager at the time was calling me all throughout the day while he was reading it, just like every other page. Like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And that felt good, even though he was a fucking idiot. Um, ultimately... <laughs> You guys know who I'm talking about. Uh-huh. <laughs> that that was that Ghost was cop. that was sort of a thrilling day. But but yeah, getting her in weeds was, was pretty awesome. Cool, because I wanted it. I loved that show. It was like the one show I wanted to work on, and I got it. Well, that is a thrill. I mean, if you get a job, because mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of showbiz careers are about taking a job because you need well, a job. Just to get but a to job. get yeah. to get something you want yeah. is I, I, special. Honestly, yeah. um, the a, a great related moment. The first episode I ever wrote for Weeds. Um, I got to help get my friend, you, Todd. <laughs> Me, yes. Uh, uh, an audition. It, I, it didn't have to twist their arm. They were like, oh, yeah, Todd would be great because you you, you're, you're known. But then when they cast you, I didn't have a lot. I had some say, but not a lot. I didn't have the ultimate say. Genji did. Genji Cohen, our, our creator. When she picked you, it was it, – because it's a rare moment when I'm happy – for other people in a genuine way. <laughs> As opposed to, that's great. And then in your head, yeah. you're like, fucking dick. You know, and and just, that's the way it should work. It's very rare that it does. And I, I should be able to help my friends more than I can, but I literally just can't. Yeah. And that was a, you know, a way, and most of my friends who are actors, I couldn't get them an audition. You had enough of a career that that they said, yeah, yeah, well, totally, we know him, um, and that was great. So you don't get to do it enough, but when something like that happens, it, it's very, it was really special. Yeah, that was it. Was it was a great moment for me too? Um, when obviously you know when when weeds is going on, you're busy, mm-hmm. um, and you your career is is clipping along nicely now. So you probably don't have as much downtime as you once did, but um, obviously there's the, the public school, you do that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you used to, and you do this, um, how do you, what do you do when you're filling, you know, voids, creative voids where there's nothing going on? What do you, what do you do? 
you know, when I, when I started, when I decided to become a writer, I uh, dedicated myself. My first agent told me that I should become a student of the industry. And so I did. So I honestly spend a lot of time when I'm not actually writing, I'm still working. Um, I'm watching, sampling every show. Mm. Um, I'm reading scripts. You can find any script online pretty much. Um, I am reading articles about writing, about the business. Um, I so I, I do a lot of sort of research and and further education mm-hmm. um, towards it. But um, I you know I'd like to do more other things. I'd like to make shorts. I don't. I should. Mm-hmm. I'd like to write plays. I don't. I should. Um, but I'm pre- I've been pretty de- pretty weirdly dedicated to my career to the detriment of a lot of other things. I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah. do you? What, what about the acting thing? I mean, how uh, does it does it is it something that you want to do more of or you I would love to. I mean, I'd love to try stand up, but I just I I haven't. Um stand up is, is scary. Um I love acting. I um Yeah, if anyone wants to put me in anything, I'll totally do it. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh and uh well that's the those are the six questions I had. I have a bonus question. All right. Is, how many points is this one worth? This this is worth a million points. Three bonus. If you answer it, right. <laughs> million boners. Million million boners. Uh, are you are you happy? This is the Mark Marin question. Wait, can I play the closing music? <laughs> <laughs> and that's all the time we have. <laughs> I am incredibly uh, fortunate, and uh, I have a lot of gratitude for my life and my career. Um, but like, I think any artist, I'm still searching for, uh, inner peace and satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm quite satisfied. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily happy. I'm not depressed at all. I pretty much love my life. I'm just, I'm not, I, I'm, I don't feel like I'm happy, but you're not sad. No, not at all. So sort of like you're person. sort of like Taylor Lautner. There's just nothing going on. <laughs> just a just a just a healthy. <laughs> I'm just look. I it's not my fault that I have spectacular abs and amazing pecs and really tiny eyes. <laughs> no, I, I I I'm but I'm excited about life and I'm excited about the industry and mm-hmm. I'm excited about Los Angeles. I'm excited about my friends and. Um, uh, I'm excited about my dog and, you know, I gen- generally, um, and the people in my life and my family, but, um, but I'm not like, I wouldn't say I'm there yet. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm learning. I'm growing. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's what life is all about. But I love the community that we have here in LA. I think there's a lot of interesting things happening and a lot of interesting people. There are, there's some real weirdos out there. Yeah. Usually um, in Seven Eleven. So that's uh, that's Stephen Falk. I think we know a lot more about him than you know we did before we started this, and that's nice. If uh, you, the Film Pig listeners, um, have uh, would like 
to ask Falk a question, then e- you know, go to the website, send us a little email, and when we compile another you know six interesting questions from listeners, maybe we'll do a, a follow up uh, interview with Steve. Falk. And who are we going to interview next time? Uh, next time, I think we're going to interview uh, Mr. Steve Skelton. Nice, fantastic. I'll, I'll clear my schedule. We're gonna uh, we're gonna sprinkle these in through uh, gaps in our podcast, so they're just sort of little bonus addendum. Yeah, they're bonus yeah. bonus interviews. Bonuses. So but when go- we're too hungover to do a regular podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, th- yeah, go to filmpigs.com and uh, thanks for uh, listening. Indeed. But we're not going to banter over the. Yeah, ask me, ask me something else. Oh, uh, yeah, what's, uh, your, what's your favorite porn movie? You know, the only one I, I watch multiple times was uh, Behind the Green Door because someone gave it to me. I actually received two copies of that in my life. It's, yeah. <laughs> the only porn I've ever got. Did you get a backup The porn? first one I ever saw was called Insatiable with Marilyn Chambers. Oh, oh. And, and she wakes up in the morning and she's horny and her husband's asleep so she reaches over and grabs a vibrator and does herself. And I was I discovered it when I was babysitting when I was like 13. There was, they had porn and I put it in and I was, my mind was fucking blown. Because <laughs> I'd only seen like my dad's Playboys and stuff. Yeah. And, suddenly uh, it's all moving. Yeah. And suddenly it's moving. And boy, uh, Marilyn, Marilyn Chambers was a sexy lady. Yeah, she was all right. At the time. So, uh, all right. And then I worked at a video store where I could steal pornos. So, nice. or just rent them. Or I mean, not rent them, just take them. I, I, think, I, think, I think that's did, part of being a film store, geek in the 80s, yeah. Did the store have the uh, the Western chain doors or the chain curtain? No, no, it was a video delivery service. Oh. We, we were not a walk-in place. Nice. There you go. All right, all right bye. Bye.